Welcome back to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here at capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This episode, episode 96, we are joined by Cullen Bunn, comic book writer. He has written multiple comic books at multiple different publishers, including Marvel and DC. And more recently, Boom, Dark Horse, Oni Press, Aftershock, Vault, Sourcepoint, the list goes on and on and on. I just definitely left some people off. We talked about some of those publishers in comics right here on this episode. But Colin Bunn is a writer of multiple different comic books on the shelves right now. Uh, two of my favorite comic books of 2023 so far, A Legacy of Violence and Nightwalkers, are both from Colin Bunn and his creative team. So check out this episode. But before you do, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as find us on Apple, Spotify, and all our major podcasting platforms. Five-star reviews are welcome. Subscribe, rate, review all the time thank you guys so much for listening this is cullen bunn comic book writer of my two of my favorite comic books of the year a legacy of violence and nightwalkers as well as two new comic books coming out lamentation as well as ghost lore enjoy everyone welcome to the podcast cullen how are you i'm all right how are you I'm doing great. You're doing great. It's uh, sunny but cold here in Maine. I don't know where you are, but it's cold here in Maine. Uh, we went from winter to summer, it feels like, today. So <laughs> That's good, I guess, right? That's yeah, one of those. Yeah. I was talking to my wife yesterday. I was like, it looks nice out. Like, it looks like I want to go outside and sit outside, but it's definitely not worth the temperature out there right now. It has to be a very specific, a very specific window of temperature for me, and it is... <laughs> It's past that on one side or the other, always. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you know, we're big fans uh, of your uh, of your work. Uh, you've been doing it for a, a little bit of time now. Uh, I'd say long time because it makes you sound old, but just a little bit of time. Uh, and, and we're, we're pretty well. happy to have you on. So welcome. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Uh, yeah. So I guess we can go back a little bit here and just let anybody who doesn't know, how did uh, how did you get into enjoying the art of comic books in general? Um, you know, I grew up in in what I consider like the golden age of of being able to read comics because they were first of all they were in every convenience store they were in every grocery store uh, I didn't really have comic shops until I was a little older but uh, but yeah Seven Eleven was my comic shop and you know Fast Fair was my comic shop and every grocery store we went into or drugstore and. Uh, and the other thing that was my comic shop were garage sales. My parents loved to go to garage sales. And you could just go and just buy comics by the dozen for pennies. And uh, and my dad, it would be nothing for my dad to come back from some trip with just a box of comic books, random issues that he would, uh, you know, give me. So that was really my intro introduction to reading. It was, uh, and, 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 I, and that's from a very young age. So I, I've loved comics for... For a long time, we we uh, love hearing. I love hearing people's stories and how they got into comics. I love how you mentioned like random comic books, and a number of people oh. have told me that too. Like random issues here and there is. I funny as an old, I'm 37 years old, but like as a as an adult, I can't like just jump into a random comic book. I have to make sure I like okay, I got to read the the issues one through whatever and all this other stuff. But at a young age, we're like whatever we can get our hands on. We're just yeah. gonna read and and understand what the heck's going on. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's uh, you'd read an issue of of some book and it would leave on some terrible cliffhanger, and it was in all likelihood I wouldn't read the continuation of that story for months or years 
it would all depend on if I happen to find that issue somewhere. Um, so it, uh, it was, it was, an, it was interesting. It was interesting reading. Um, it's interesting how those, those cliffhangers will drive you crazy now, but back then I didn't care. I just was happy to, I was happy to read the book. And then I was even, I was super excited when finally after months I'd go to a, a Stuckey's and buy one of those three packs of comics and in the middle was the second part of the book I'd read months and months earlier. So, but it's the medium in general, anyways. Going back and read, they need to go back and read that original issue over again, and then read the new issue and stuff like that. So it's the great thing about the medium of comic books too is the fact that you can do that is go back and reread over and over and over again, and enjoy it a different way every time too. Even as a young kid. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so you obviously collected comic books, read comic books growing up and stuff like that. Then you transitioned to actually into writing and creating comic books. You ended up, you've written for the big two, DC, Marvel, and so on and so forth. But now you're doing a lot more independent and self or self create your own stuff. Um, yeah. What is that like going from eventually? I, I had a conversation with someone earlier today about making it to the big leagues, like getting to DC and Marvel. And then it seems like people get to that pinnacle point in comic books but then they go off and they do their own career creator owned or independent I feel like that's the more trajectory of people nowadays like you accomplished it and then you can go on and do what you want elsewhere what's that been like going from working at the big two then going to independent and creator own stuff you know uh i think it's difficult for some creators to actually have a little bit of trouble with it and you know for aspiring creators there's no right or wrong mm -hmm. you know some people want to work on big two comics and that's what they want to do and some people want to do independent stuff, their own stories, and that's what they want to do. And that's fine in both 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 ways is, is A-OK. -okay. And some people want to do both. Um, you know, I started in independent books. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's how uh, DC got, you know, DC found out about me and offered me jobs. And that's how Marvel found out about me and started offering me jobs. So, uh, you know, I've always had a foot in in the independent world, even when, you know, even when I was writing as uh, exclusive for Marvel, I carved out several independent slots in my contract. So I could always be working on that. Um, you know, and I love, you know, I love these, these characters that I've been reading forever. So I love Marvel characters. I love DC characters. Uh, from a experience of writing for me, there is no comparison between writing my own thing and writing a Marvel or a DC character. While I love those characters and I love, I love playing in those universes, those books don't come easy. And, uh, and th there's just, a there's just so much more, there's joy in those books, but there's so much more joy for me in independent books. And, and I was just at a convention a couple of weeks ago and another creator had the exact opposite opinion of me. He said, you know, I like working on, on creator own stuff, but the joy for me is working on these creators that these characters that I love. And, and I, it never, when he said it, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I said, you know what, the, who am I, you know, who am I to judge what, what he gets joy out of? So uh, it's just the way I, you know, what I like, and that's what, you know, he likes. And I think there's, you know, it's that for everybody for me though, on a personal level, doing the creator own stuff is a little more fulfilling than the uh, than the big two, you know, working on working on licensed properties. Although I I still do it. I still do yes. it. And I, and I only want to do it. I only do it. You know, 
<laughs> when I started out, I do it for whatever. I don't care yeah. what you offer me. You could <laughs> offer me a pound puppies comic. And yeah. I'd have written the best pound puppies comic I could have. Um, but uh, but nowadays, I only want to do those if it's a character I really love or a character I think I can, and even more so, a character I think I can do something interesting with and actually contribute to um, rather than just taking whatever someone throws my way. Well, you've built yourself into a career that has the ability. I mean, you have enough other work to do that this is more like, oh, this is cool. They're going to offer me X, Y, and Z character. I, I can't wait to write that character. Or I'll just focus on my creator own stuff. Like it doesn't like, you don't have to like, it's not forcing yourself into that hole uh, where well, we were yeah. exclusive with Marvel. That. You kind of had to do what they wanted you to do. <laughs> well, you could still turn down projects yeah. for, for Marvel, but at the time I was, I was doing my exclusive books for Marvel. It was one of those things where I was like, you know, 13 year old Cullen would never imagine writing these books. Why it wouldn't, and could definitely not imagine turning down one of these books. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going to do whatever, whatever comes my way. It's funny. I talked to someone earlier this week about uh, turning something down, whether or not you like it or not. I feel like I'd be like, if someone gave me the opportunity and that's maybe why some people stay at, at the, at these uh, you know, IP, far, IP, IP places is that, um, you get the opportunity and you're just like, okay, I got the opportunity. I finally did it. And I'm going to stay here. Or they just like it. I was mentioning to someone else, you can't write Superman anywhere else or Aquaman anywhere else. You have to write it at DC. So it's like, if you're going to want to write those characters, you kind of have to be in that house. And and, and that's where it is. If you want to write your own creation, then obviously you can do that elsewhere. But yeah, if you have to, oh, yeah. if you want to write Spider-Man and draw Spider-Man, you kind of have to be at Marvel. <laughs> right. And, and make no mistake. If, if the, the potential had been there at Marvel for me to continue to write Magneto or Uncanny X-Men or X-Men Blue, I would still be writing those books. Uh, I would never, I mean, they were not, a, that was not a book I would say, okay, I'm done. I would always <laughs> be writing those books. The same with Sinestro at, uh, at DC. I would have written Sinestro for hundreds of issues had I been given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I think uh, Chip Zdarsky said that about Daredevil and about uh, uh, Batman. They were two talking about like I will stop when they tell me to stop. I will continue doing this until they tell me to stop. <laughs> yeah, for absolutely. I mean, if you find the characters you like, and you can you write them, and that's obviously you you write what you like, meaning that if you like the characters, obviously you're going to come up with the most creative stories and and best work. And if you don't like the characters, it's going to be more of a struggle, which is going to show in your writing most likely. Yeah, I mean, look, it's always a struggle, even if you love, <laughs> even if you love a character. Coming up with great stories for characters that have been around for decades and decades is not, uh, it's not, it's not simple. It's no easy task. <laughs> it, it isn't. But as of right now, I just have a list of books that you're currently either currently working on or just came out or about to come out. So you are a pretty busy person in the world of creator-owned comic books and independent comic books, uh, and I personally think that two of those books so far because i haven't been able to read ghost lore i just read lamentation oh, i just yeah. read that uh first issue of that uh, oni press sent that over uh, but a legacy of violence and nightwalkers are actually in the running for some of my top comic books of the year and so i'm really excited to talk to you about that because i'm glad um mad cave just sent over the the uh, advanced pdf of uh the legacy of violence trade which is coming trade. out is coming out on, on wednesday april 5th and then i was just uh able to catch up on nightwalkers a couple nights ago and not only is the best one of the best comic books i think of the year but this cover over here and if you can see it the nightwalkers cover 
Is that number the one three? with the hole getting blown through yes. the body? Yeah. That might be one of my favorite covers so far this year. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that cover's awesome. Actually, all the covers for Nightwalkers yes. have been something special. And that's, you know, big shout out to Joe Bacardo because uh, I was not super familiar with Joe's work when I started working on on Nightwalkers with him. And uh, and now I'm like, Joe, we got to, you know, let's keep this train going. And, and no matter what's going on, I want to make sure we're always having, we always have a project in the pipes together. So, uh, yeah, that cover is uh, is great. He's a, he's a, he's a very talented artist and, and it's just very, uh, he has such an interesting visual style. I think um, that's not my favorite of the Nightwalkers covers, although I like it. There's another one he did. That's an hourglass <laughs> and there are shapes in the hourglass filled with blood and there's shapes in it. And that's my favorite of them only because of how it ties to the, the issue. But yeah, all the covers have been, have been really, Put on really on. awesome. And it obviously we were, we were, uh, I hadn't heard of uh, Joe's work really that much either. And then I was like, oh, that name sounds so familiar. And, uh, we had a guest on here, Jonathan Hedrick, who wrote the recount over at scout comics mm-hmm. and his fourth issue in that series, the artist couldn't do. And so he had hired Joe Bacardo to do it. And I was like, yeah. that name sounded so familiar. <laughs> I don't know where it got it from. And I was like doing like flipping through comic books the other night. And I'm like, Oh, that's where it was. It was the fourth issue. Um, yeah, a series. Joe, Joe's really, really great. And, uh, and fun to work with. And, you know, we're going to, you know, our plan is obviously to continue Nightwalkers, but we're already cooking up, uh, another project. And it, he's such a, he's such a creative force is, you know, I texted him. I was on the floor of a convention and I was like, Hey Joe, here's a quick idea for, uh, for a new book. What do you think of this? And, uh, and he, he texted me, he said, I love this. And I texted him a few descriptions of characters and within out within an hour or two, here's like a whole turnaround of the entire cast. And here's a, you know, here's a potential cover and all this stuff. So he's, I mean, he's in it and, and it's a, it's exciting to work with someone who's that uh, excited to to do comics. And so, yeah, that the Nightwalkers is over at Source Point, and then you have I mentioned a Legacy of Violence, which is over at Mad Cave. Mad Cave is one of my uh, favorite publishers uh, in recent times. Uh, great books coming out of there. This is one of yeah. them. And um, so, Legacy, let's let's chat a little bit. We're on the Nightwalker stream. Let's talk to Nightwalkers a little bit more. Um, so, obviously, okay. Col- Colin Johnson also killed it on the coloring in there too, which is. That dra- that that mostly dark colors and then the pops of red look amazing in there. Yeah. Uh, the, you mentioned the covers; uh, the, the covers are beautiful and, and so on. And also Justin Birch, who's been on the podcast before too, excellent at lettering yeah. on the book. To your whole creative team on that book is amazing. How did this book end up at SourcePoint? Uh, you know, you're with a bunch of different publishers, but how did this one end up at SourcePoint? So Nightwalkers has a really interesting origin in general. Uh, I'm part of a small production company called Hustle and Heart. And, you know, we are out there, you know, trying to to sell TV shows and movies. And we're pitching to producers all the time and, and talking to different uh, directors and actors and, and screenwriters. We're always out there pitching. And uh, my partner, Heath Amodio, and I, you know, Hustle and Heart came together because we both love comics. And we just started talking about the idea of doing comics together and uh and we partnered with some other people and one of them brought us a short story and they said hey do you like this short story and it's a vampire apocalypse story it's i think it was three or four pages long um and i said well here's what i would do (laughs) with a vampire (laughs) apocalypse story and and i and and i kind of spewed out in a really messy email 
the overview of Nightwalkers. And they loved it. They wanted to, you know, wanted to do it as one of these first uh, first projects for what we're calling this new endeavor. We're calling Overlook uh, Overlook Productions, and we, you know, we're doing these these projects under this umbrella. And we've been talking to a number of publishers about doing doing these projects together. The big thing that we have to maintain with those books, though, is we have to maintain creative control over the media rights, and that's not always the case with every publisher you work with. Some want to take the media rights, some want to control the media rights, some want a piece of the media rights. And because of what we're doing with Overlook, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. And Source Point, Source Point was one of the first that stepped up and said, look, we want to make great comics. You know, if the book gets picked up and turned into a TV series or a movie, that benefits the book as well. It's, you know, they they stepped up to to be supportive of what we were trying to do in you know, with Overlook. Um, and yeah, so it, it came about talking to, talking to the crew at Hustle and Heart and Overlook Productions, talk about something that, you know, it would be dumb for me to say, we're not trying to make books that are adaptable in other formats. My, my number one goal is to tell, is to, to make a great comic, something that's fun to read no matter what, but we absolutely are actively shopping Nightwalkers yeah. as, uh, as another as another format well i mean in this world we live in right now where where things are adapted so much to it's like you you don't want to lose sight of the fact that we as comic book readers love a great comic book but in the same sense me who can't get enough of stuff like that and the people like myself that if i really enjoy a book like Nightwalkers and then it becomes something on tv or, or film it's just gonna make me even happier and then there's a possibility out of that you're like okay let's do volume two of Nightwalkers right. as a comic book and right. then a tv show kind of thing so well, yeah it, it, it's it's a weird balance because mm-hmm. you can go one one you can go too far one way or the other you know you can think oh uh I'm only in it to make a TV show or a movie, mm-hmm. and you can you can tell those comics when you see them. I think you can tell the ones that are concept without a lot of execution, um, and and they're they're obvious. Uh, I'm not bashing the people that do that. No. <laughs> hey, if it works for you, do it. But with Nightwalkers, we wanted something that works as a comic, and we do have. I mean, I have big plans for the Nightwalkers, you know, universe. The, mm-hmm. It's a five issue initial series. Um, but the the plan's already in place for volume two and volume three, and there's a much, much bigger story to be told there. Making one reader over here pretty happy on that, too. So, I, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm a big Walking Dead fan. I've, I've been since like, you know, I used to read the comic books a lot and then the TV show and so on and so forth. So the, the zombie apocalypse got to me, but also, you know, the horror. This is a way more... I say violent horror, but gruesome and brutality of it is a little bit more in in that realm. I mean, it's a mature comic book. It yeah. it it brings it almost to another level, but also is a little bit more. I don't know. It's different, and that's that's a love about. It. I love it. It's in the same realm, but it's a different story, and that's what I really loved about it. And then I get the visuals on it. If we can, if, if somehow those visuals uh, from Joe Bacardo can get over to a television show or a movie and and, and translate well, it's even going to be even more killer for me. Yeah, no, and and look, the the comparisons to Walking Dead are going to be there because it yep. is an apocalypse with monsters. Okay, mm-hmm. you know that's it's going to happen, uh, but I wanted to make sure it was different enough. You know, these monsters are faster. That's the that's the there's the key difference in the monsters, mm-hmm. right? Is that these monsters are they are not shambling. They are fast and mean, and they, that's just one. You know, 
one form of the Nightwalkers. Mm-hmm. It's like they're they're uh, they're almost like uh, like worker bees in a way. Uh, but uh, so they're fast, and and the the most important thing is the characters. I'm trying to give these characters some interest. You know, our lead character is a recovering addict, which makes you know, which is an interesting comparison when you're dealing with you know addiction and this vampiric addiction to to blood mm-hmm. and uh and her sort of disconnection from the world around her and you know i don't know where you are in night walkers i think you're probably three or four but a three but yeah there's yeah. obviously there's a tra- trajectory i think you yeah. can see for her she's mm-hmm. she's got a bigger role to play in the world and for a character who's a burnout and not really and and feels like there is nothing left for her in the world that's an interesting place to be and it's also deeper than a lot of these other just there's a simple you could easily have made a vampiric post-apocalyptic uh, a comic book with nothing else but that being the whole sole plot is that and people are just trying to survive but these it's starting in a recent portal rehab facility and someone going to hopefully be able to redeem redeem themselves as well potentially that also just adds a whole other level to the story which is great Right. Well, I appreciate. It. I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it. I uh, like I said, I was just at. I just did back to back conventions, and it was really nice to see people who were coming up with both of the books that you just mentioned, mm. and uh, and are jo- and are enjoying them, um, because that's always the fear for me is every one of the what people just don't like this. What if, yes. What, what if people are just tired of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Colin's making another comic book. No. Yeah. What, um, what, if, what are what if people are just done with my nonsense? So. <laughs> Well, I mean, then it, you mentioned both of them. A, a legacy of violence. First of all, the name alone pulled me in. I'm like, okay, what the hell is this? The cover art is insane. Is that iconic? Some sort of iconic character on the cover that just makes you go, okay, is this something I want to know about this person or this being on the front cover with the skull mask and all that stuff? And then the artwork itself is just, it's just, it's it, it's a way to portray brutality gruesomeness blood and 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 killing but not over like it doesn't gross you up because the whole thing is kind of like i, say, I hate to say the word messy um but gritty yeah, no yeah yeah i mean funny. so like it's like because the whole thing is like that it's not like you'd see someone i don't know if you've seen like terrifier or things like that on, on the movies right. uh that's like in your face blood splattering everywhere but because of the way that the, the artwork is done in it it's done in a way that the whole thing is kind of um like i said like i said messy but gritty yeah. It allows it to be like, okay, I can see that there's blood and guts and things like that, but it's not overwhelming. It's weird. I don't know how it's hard always, to explain. I always feel like Andrea, Andrea Muti yes. is the artist. I always feel like Andrea is like painting a portrait, really, with every book he does. It's 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 almost like if I could just line everything up in one long, you know, one long panel, it's almost like he's painting something. Uh, and I just love that style of, uh, an, and, and Andrea is the same way. I, I'll do books with him until... He, like all these write- readers we were talking about, is tired of my nonsense. I'll read books with him. And and it has like motion in it. Like like the, you can just feel it. They're, like I said, I don't know. The colors palettes on similar, both of them are very, they're minimal, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like there's not a lot going on, but it on purpose. And I like that a lot too about it. And it, it, yeah. I'm reading for a book club. We just read, uh, we're reading um, House of M uh, for okay. the book club. And it's funny because like someone opened it up and started you know flipping through it someone who's been into a bunch of independent comics recently and looks at it and go yeah that's that's big two art like that's what that's what you see out of these bigger two com- uh, publishers is that style of artwork which is great it's beautiful and it's well done but there's something about going into the independent world nowadays that people could do whatever they want in the inside yeah. of the pages of a comic book and and it stands out to me that's like okay, this is what i want i want this 
almost feels authentic. And that's yeah. what I love about the inside of this. And Andrea did a great job on a legacy of violence for oh, sure. Yeah. And 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 that book for me, that's a weird one for me because I that's the book that I, I'm working on. I don't know if people are gonna like it or not. I'm just like it's a very different book for me in a lot of ways. There's a couple of books I'm working on that are very different, but a legacy of violence is the the big it's it's a horror book, and I do a yeah. lot of horror books. But the big difference with the legacy of violence is it's not a supernatural story. There's no supernatural elements. Um, so then I have to rely on the truth and the way the world works. I don't have any magical mumbo jumbo to get me out of trouble <laughs> if I do something uh, if I do something as a writer that is a stumbling block. So it's it's really I mean, it is a slasher comic and I've mm -hmm. written slasher comics before. But this one is is really a, a dark, grim slasher book with its origins are you know where it comes from is a dark place and uh and andre i knew it was going to be pretty uh i just didn't know if if i'd pull it off as a story i think once it once it wraps up and that's the other thing it's a long series it's mm -hmm. you know it's a 12 issue series uh so you know there's not a lot of places to hide in a book like in a in a series yeah. like that of that length i can't uh i can't hide so i gotta <laughs> You know, I'm, you know, I had to, to really do, I had to put some effort in that to make it stand out and make it different and, and hopefully make it something people are going to like. Um, and yeah, well, I feel like if you, if you like horror slasher movies, this is another medium to, to take this in because yeah, one of my favorite comic books styles of current times is make a comic book that's based in real life that has one small or one slight change that makes it supernatural or unbelievable i.e. Nightwalkers with vampire, you know what yeah. I mean, zombies, that kind of per thing in that makes it so, okay, we're living in a real world where this person is in a, in a rehab facility and bad things are happening, but there's this crazy creature. In uh, A Legacy of Violence, I was like waiting for that almost because that's how a lot of these independent comic books are written nowadays. But like, yeah. I was almost glad it wasn't because it was like, oh, this is just like reading a comic book that's a slasher film, which is amazing. It's, yeah. just, it's one of those, if you like that uh, industry of that that that, that uh, category of films this would be in there because it's it's you could be real you could be basically <laughs> someone could have told you this as a story at a bar somewhere like, and you would have been like i'm gonna make this into a comic book. It, it could be real and what's you know what's really disturbing about it is the things that are the closest to sort of being surreal and supernatural when we really get into things like this concept of depart or unit 761 and stuff like mm -hmm. that that's real that's mm -hmm. that existed in our world and it's terrifying. Um, and I actually had to veer away from the truth of that a little bit because I was like, oh, this is it. It got a little that got a little too real for me when I was doing research on the book. And I was like, OK, I maybe 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 we'll, we'll do a, it's a highly fictionalized version of this because some of it's a little too disturbing, even for for me, probably. Well, you know, and it's funny. Someone we read a different book recently at the book club, and it was it was uh, the recount we read from Scout Comics, mm -hmm. and it was it's based it's a political thriller, and they were like reading it. And, like I try to read comic books to escape the world that I live in, <laughs> and so when I'm reading something that could potentially happen or could have like, and that book came out in November of 2020, so it's like. Mm -hmm was right in the middle of all the crap that we dealt with. And yeah. it's like, I don't know what it says about me that I'm like, okay, legacy of violence is amazing. I really like it. My escapism isn't really escapism. <laughs> right. Well, that's what, that's what comics are for, man. And, and that's, 
that's what I, you know, that to me, everybody asks, what do you hope to accomplish with this book? And the, for me, the first thing, no matter what else I want to do with a book, the first thing is I want people to enjoy it mm-hmm. and to, to, to be able to escape with their comics and, and whatever. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that. Yes. And, and, and like I said, I, I've been very happy with a bunch of the stuff that's come out from uh, from uh, Mad Cave, too. So when I saw this as part of their lineup, uh, I had Mark London on on the podcast, actually, to talk about a bunch of random things. And, sure. and uh, I was just very happy with the way that the book came out. And, and it's beautiful. And I'm I'm excited. Uh, April 5th as it comes out in trade. So I'll be able to grab yeah, that. So I, even I, have, I haven't looked at I stuff. haven't seen the trade yet in physical form. I actually think a box just arrived that has them. So I have to go cut that open and look at the look at the trades. It's it's also that's another beautiful cover. And then if you, anybody really likes more covers and more things, they had a bunch of cool Mad Cave exclu- excuse me exclusive covers of that book on uh, on their website on Mad Cave Studios website. But uh, you also have coming out uh, was it said Lament- Lamentation? Lamentation Lamentation from Oni yeah. Preston. So I was able to to glance at that one a little bit uh, a couple of minutes ago. Read it over. I want to read it a couple more times. But that's you with uh, was it Hillary Jenkins and Simon Bowen. Well, those are the uh, artists. Those, those the are artists? the. No, not not our not the artist. Um, it says the, it on previews where all the artists. It That's does. pretty funny. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh oh. I see that, it here. Rising star Aronia uh, Aronia. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Yes. Yeah. I, I say, look, this is this is gonna be bad because I may pronounce his name. Name wrong. Arjuna Arjuna Sasina is how I pronounce it. Okay, name. that could make, make sense. I can see I've that. never I've never mm-hmm. spoken voice to voice with our Arjuna, so I, I I'm not a I'm not a thousand percent sure that uh, I think Hillary colored it. That's okay. It might be true. Yeah. They yeah. they don't. Yeah. Previous previous world. Yeah, it's previous world. Well, <laughs> until the book hits the stands, you know, I was gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna try to call it up here on my screen. And uh, so I could look at the entire cast because they actually they probably sent me the same thing they sent you. Yeah, uh, let's see here. I have it. I have it in my I PDF here of it. It's uh, let's here. look there together. And yeah, there you go. Written by Cullen Bunn. Are you surprised about that? That's good, right? That's well. Finally, finally, they got that right. Arjuna Susina, and yep. then colored by Hillary Jenkins too. Yeah, yeah. there we go. That's weird, but it's so funny how. And then uh, Simon, was, Simon, who you mentioned earlier, is yeah. the letterer on the book. Okay, Simon, that's Simon's letter to a bunch of my books. So that's pretty funny how they put it. Not funny, but like it's sad how they put it in there is Colin Bunn, and then it says Hillary Jenkins and Simon Bullen as the artists. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's unfortunate for you know yeah. Arjuna put a lot of work into that, so it's unfortunate to see. But that'll get changed as the book gets closer yeah. to coming. Out. It'll it'll pop up and be correct. It's um, funny though. I only say that because the first sentence says, "From the minds I have master storyteller Colin Blunt and rising stars." <laughs> okay, well, so, well, there you go. At least you got funny. that right. <laughs> it's obviously just someone inputting something in the back end. It's nothing, you know. It is what it is. Right. But, um, this book, I mean, just so people, I mean, obviously, so Legacy Violence is out on the stands in uh, single issue format now. It comes out on Wednesday, April fifth, uh, in trade, and then Nightwalkers is also available. Uh, and single issues at the at your local comic book shop, but uh, limitation comes out in uh, was it May, May third, yes. and so what's right. your elevator pitch for your new book? So lamentation is the story of a young actress who has just uh, she's responding to an ad for a a, a production uh, of a play, and she goes into the theater to to audition and immediately she's hired on the spot without an audition which is weird enough and then she finds out she can't leave the theater until the play is performed for their audience 
and then the play the theater seems to be haunted and by these strange mysterious forces there are are murderers waiting in the wings it is uh it's it's a little bit uh it's a fusion of of cosmic horror and giallo and uh it's it's just got a lot of different uh you know different kinds of horror in its dna and it's fun because the story's sort of playing out on two fronts it's the story of this actress who's trying to find her way out of this she wants she, all she wants to do is go home but it's also the story of the play that's being uh, uh rehearsed until the night of you know until opening call opening curtain mm -hmm. So it's a it's a very surreal uh, mind bender of a horror story about uh, these two surreal worlds colliding. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a again another visually amazing book as well. So I guess the the, the question I had that I meant to ask earlier about when we were talking about artists and Joe Picardo and things like that is, in in now moving into this one with Arjunia, does how does this partnership? How do you find your? You have books at multiple different publishers and multiple different books at the same time. How do you connect with these artists, and how is it like working with finding the right fit for each book, or how does that work? It's uh, it's different for every project. Okay. Uh, and and I can even like the three we just talked about mm -hmm. uh, with Nightwalkers. I put a pitch together without an artist attached. And then uh, my partner Heath kind of went out and found a bunch of artists and he sent me, you know, uh, pages and pages of artwork and portfolios from different artists. And, and we picked a few we really liked. And uh, and Joe just kind of rose to the top as that's the one I wanted was the right look for for this book. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how that one came about with uh, with a legacy of violence. I put the pitch together and was actually writing it. And the publisher was searching for artists and they came back and said, uh, are you familiar with, are you feel familiar with Andrea Muti who I've worked with on other projects? And I was like, yes, absolutely. That's our guy. Let's go. <laughs> that's the, that's the one to work with. And then with, um, with Lamentation, that was Arjuna and I were talking because I've known him for a while. Uh, we're talking about doing a book together and I sent him the pitch and okay. said, hey, what do you think of this concept? He liked it, and we took that to, to Oni as a, as a project together. So sometimes uh, with creator-owned stuff, you know, it can be I'm bringing the artist, or it can be the publishers finding the artist. It can be either one. Uh, with, with like a Marvel or a DC book, almost every time the publisher is going to assign that artist and that's who you're going to work with. Sometimes you get a little feedback back and forth, but almost always the publisher says, this is the artist we want you to work with. At least in my experience, there's some other, other folks I'm sure who have been able to, you know, they bring, they bring their own artists to the table, but, uh, but most of the time it's the publisher bringing the artist. It, and you, but I guess it shouldn't be surprising because you're trying to make the best comic book possible, not just write the best comic book possible, but also the most visually attractive comic book. Is that I, like I mentioned, Legacy of Violence works so well with Andrea's artwork, Nightwalkers with Joe's artwork. I think it just does that well. And then Lamentation does the same thing here. I think that it's like one of those things that just fits what you're trying to tell for a story. Yeah. And again, it shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm just saying, like, I just, it's one of those things that I would say, I hate to say you're lucky. Uh, but it's been lucky enough that say that Cullen and these people joining together and making these great comic books. It's just awesome. it is 
it is a comedy of riches, the artists I've been able to work with over the years, because I've, I've been very lucky. Um, I just feel like I've worked with so many very talented people and, uh, and, and some of them I've gone on and I work with again and again and, and again, if I can. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it you're right. It is lucky. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I consider myself very fortunate. Um, I don't typically write scripts with the artist in mind. So, you know, people have asked me that. Do you, you know, do you write a, a script differently for Brian Hurt, for instance, who's an artist I've worked with over and over and over again than you do with Tyler Crook, who's another artist I've worked over and over again, or Joe Bacardo, who I've only worked with on, you know, a little, you know, yeah. to, you know, a smaller degree. Yeah. And my scripts look the same for each of them. It it is though you know once you get to to know an artist and start working with them of course I write the things that I think Andrea is gonna you know I write sometimes I write things and I think to myself oh this is gonna be awesome when Andrea draws it it's gonna be amazing or this is something I know Brian's gonna love to draw technically with Brian I usually it's this is something I know Brian's gonna hate drawing so I'm gonna <laughs> send it his way have fun <laughs> yeah have fun Brian I mean he just. He just called me last week. We're working on a new book. And he said, I hate you so much. Because <laughs> you knew I was going to hate drawing that. And I was like, yep, I sure did. <laughs> and he's going to do it anyway. And he's going to do gonna, it great. <laughs> he's gonna, that's just it. He, he's going to hate it, but it's going to look amazing. So yes. Stop drawing it so well. And he won't make yeah. him do it. <laughs> yeah. There, there's the, tr that would be the trick. Just do it terribly. And you'll know, never be asked to do it again. Isn't that the, like the thing we learned as kids, like don't load the dishwasher correctly. Cause if not, your mom's going to make you do it over and over again. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you gotta mess up in order to not have to get all that work thrown on you. And so Le lamentations, of, is it three issues? Or it's it three issues, that? but they're really, I mean, they are like meaty issues. They're double-sized yes. issues, yeah. each one. It so, was yeah. a reason for that format, just to try to tell the whole story, and, and it, it, it made sense. It didn't drag on or anything like that. It definitely fit in that, you know, whatever number. Is it 44 pages? Yeah, it's something like that. I can't remember yeah. exactly. Lamentation's interesting because it's been in the works for a little while, and when it was first accepted, my pitches are always written as a number of issues. I, that's how I pitch. I was like, this is what happens in issue one, two, three, four, five, and six. But initially, I only wanted to do it as a trade, original original graphic novel. Mm -hmm. So I just wrote the whole thing. It's just this long, this long, you know, script. Uh, but then in recent months, they came back and said, hey, we might want to do this as single issues. And how can we break that up? So I took the script and I looked at it and said, well, there are natural breaks throughout the throughout the script, but none of them are at the 22 page mark mm -hmm. anymore because, I, you know, I, I, I expanded it out. But there were natural breaks at three points. So that was why we decided to go with the um, with the three issue format. I think it's, you know, it gives you three more three more months that the book's on the shelf and has a cover. And it's got I mean, those variant covers that they've shown so far are pretty awesome. And, uh, and yeah, it's gonna, it, and then it'll be collected as a trade. It, it kind of makes me as a person who collects single issues too. It's like, it's a mixture of the happy medium. You know, yeah. I'm not having to wait for 10 issues. I'm getting a nice meaty 44 page issue, which is a double issue once. And then another, yeah. you know, I get three of those, but I still get the ability to uh, collect single issues. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's a nice little, it's, it's different. I like that. You know, it, it, 
it, it's it seems when someone looks at a six ninety nine cover price, you're like, oh my god! But then you realize it's it's actually cheaper. It's that thick, yeah. Um, because it's yeah. three fifty. Because if there's twenty two pages of pay a book, that's two books in one, and it's three fifty a book, so it's actually cheaper yeah. than if you were to pay a three ninety nine for a book. So it's just it is kind of weird for some people to look at that, but yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, look, I like the idea of trying different things with the format in general. I mean, it doesn't always have to be the, the, you know, the standard twenty-two page book. I mm -hmm. like trying a few different things, and I like that Oni's willing to, to do some interesting things that way. And so, like uh, issue one drops May third, which is obviously uh, should be an FOC here in a couple of weeks, and then. Um... June seventh is issue two, and then it'll be July. I'm guessing for issue three. And then you said that's all written. Is it all done? It just oh, it's all yeah. The whole yeah. thing's the whole thing's done, lettered. It's uh, it's it's in the can, as as they would say. It's uh, <laughs> it's been finished for uh, not a long time, but at least a few months. I, I'm excited to see to read more and stuff like that. Oni's excited. I tell you that much. They at least their marketing people have sent me emails like, "How do you like it?" Da, 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 da. So they're excited for it too, which is awesome. They really want to hear about people's feedback on, on it. Is and uh, we'll actually have something up. This episode will come out on Wednesday, April fifth, and then this will be out. There'll be a, there'll be already be a, a, a review or, or a discussion on our website for it as well uh, too. So check that out there. But um, the other book you're working on is over at Boom, which is Ghost Lore. That one's Ghost coming out Lore. soon too. What's up with that one? Can you tell me a little bit about that one? Yeah, so with Boom, I've over the past few years, I've done a couple of 12-issue maxi-series, I guess mm -hmm. what you'd call them. So I've done a couple. I did one called Bone Parish, and I did one called Basilisk. And I like that format. I like doing that 12-issue series, and and Boom likes it. So I started coming up, you know, they, they asked me what I would follow uh, Basilisk with. Uh, Ghost Lore is a completely i mean it's a it's a different kind of book and it's a little bit of a it's been a challenge to write but a lot of fun um ghost lore is about a father and daughter who after an accident find they have the uh the ability to see ghosts and these ghosts want to tell them stories they're almost desperate they're hungry to tell <laughs> stories and they come you know they run at, run up at them and they're let me tell you i have to tell you i have to tell you and they tell their story and when they tell their story they cement into our world. Uh, and some of the ghosts, once they've cemented into our world, can be set free. Uh, well, all of them can be set free. But what we find is that the father and the daughter can both set these ghosts free. They can put them at peace. But they have very different ways of doing it. The daughter's way is peaceful and easy and simple. And the father's way is violent. And, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's hardcore violence and action. And that kind of put, they've already have a wedge between them and it drives them further apart. But what we also find is that while these, you know, while they have this ability to, to see spirits, there are other people in the world who also have this ability. And some of them have very, very sinister goals uh, that they're, they're, they're using these ghosts uh, rather than setting them free. Um, and then the other interesting part of ghost lore is these ghosts want to tell a story. And we see one of those stories every issue, and it is all drawn. Every issue, there's an there's a story that this ghost tells that is drawn by a different creative, uh, different artistic team, um, and they're, they're just five page stories in every issue. So it's a, got a little bit of a of an anthology vibe to it. Okay. It's got a little bit of, but then there's also this epic supernatural adventure that we're going on in the middle of it all. 
So the main artist is the main artist in that. Is that Leo Max? Yeah, the main artist is Leo Max, and he's awesome. Oh, he's um, unbelievable. Yeah, I was just yeah. saying, I was like, I love Basketball of Heads. And, and, oh, yeah, and, Basketball and, of Heads is so great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the main artist is Leo Max, and then every issue, though, there's a yeah. different artist who's going to come in. Like in the first issue, uh, Brian Hurt and Bill Crabtree draw that first story. And then uh, another one is Danny Luckert, who draws the story, who I've worked with many times. Um, Naomi Frank, who did some Tales from Harrow County with that with me. So to some degree, I'm I'm working with uh with different artists that I've I've worked with, and and I get to I get to experience working with all of them again. Uh, and that's Maxi series are great too. I think it's a perfect. Yeah. There's something about that again. It's three. It's 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 just a nice number of volume like uh, issues, and, and it's not too long, but it's not too short. And then again, like the anthology part of it's pretty cool because I'm a big anthology fan. So that, that makes it seem like an anthology is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it all came from me asking myself the question, what ghost stories would ghosts <laughs> tell? And that's uh and 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 you know, it's this idea that the world while while like a legacy violence, there's no supernatural, <laughs> this this world is completely swings, the pendulum swings the other way. The world is messed up. And there's a you know, there's a lot of supernatural goings on. Uh, if these ghosts are to be believed, I mean, who knows if they're telling the truth? You're trying to balance out your comic book writing is like, okay, well, I'm yeah. gonna go completely supernatural on this one and not in on this one. That balances yeah. my world out right there. <laughs> Correct. Um, so that's, I mean, it's exciting. And so, do you just shop these specific stories around to different places? Do you have some people's in mind? Because obviously, like I said, I you did, um, the Door to door, night by night, it's out too on vault. You had did a, the one shot, uh, follow us on the walls. Uh, obviously, like I see, violence, night walkers, red zones over AWA. Uh, obviously, you mentioned basilisk, and then you have ghost lore coming out, lamentation coming out. You're also doing an Archie comics. Is it Chilling Adventures presents Cult of the Wiccan Boy? Wilkin yeah, Boy? Cult of the Wilkin Boy. That's just a one shot. Yeah. yeah, so it's a, it's a just like with everything. It just all depends. Um, okay. with ghost lore. Boom came to me and said, hey, we want to do another series. What do you have in mind? And Ghost Lore is what I pitched them. Now, if they had not accepted Ghost Lore, if they had said, that's nah, not right for us, I would have taken it somewhere else probably. Okay. Um, and that's usually the case. If 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 if, if someone said, would say, we don't like it and I love it, I'm going to take it somewhere. I'm going to try to shop that book around. Uh, with Vault, uh, they came to me and said, after I did uh, – Last book you'll ever read. They said, okay, what's next? And I pitched them two ideas. And they liked both of them, but Ghost Lores or uh Door to Door Night by Night's the one we we decided to go with first. Um so it just depends. Uh, I don't know that I ever that I ever sit down to say, you know, this is a book I'm writing because this is an Oni book or this yeah. is a dark horse book. I usually will start coming up with the pitches and stuff. And once I have a pitch, I might say to myself, I think I have a better shot at selling this to Dark Horse or Vault yeah. or whoever based on editorial preferences and things like that. But I, I I don't I don't necessarily write it up with, you know, that in mind from the get-go. It gives you a little bit of freedom because there's different different publishers have different expectations and different wants and needs and things like that too. It also helps with that aspect of it. And and honestly if people want a piece of Colin Bond, they get all these different publishers have a little piece of you. <laughs> like, I mean, use you. <laughs> I mean, there are, I mean, I guess there, I'm trying to think of a specific example and I can't right off the top of my head, but I guess there are, there could be 
situations where the publisher says, hey, we really want uh, this kind of horror story. And then, yes, okay, I might try to put something together for them in, in, in my, you know, in particular. Yeah. But, uh, but even saying that now, I can't think of a time where I had to do, where that's something I did. I mean, it sounds like, funny thing is, it sounds like Ghost Lore is a boom book, even though... Yeah, I think it, it was it right. Is, yeah. yeah, I think it was right for them when I, when I, you know, and that one's close, I guess, because they they said, "Hey, we want something to follow Bone Parish and Basilisk," and I, yeah. and so I specifically sat down to try to come up with something that would that would be a a good companion piece to those books, but would be very different. And I said, like, it, it does make sense that over there in the maxi series, whatever that they call it there, the twelve yeah. issues also makes sense. <laughs> How many uh, pitches, stories do you have going on in your head at one time or, or, or on your computer or on a board or whatever? How, how many do you think you have processing right now? I can tell you. I'm going to look to the right and I can tell yeah. you exactly. I, I'm not going to pan my camera over there. Yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, so on my board, I have it I have it divided up by, you know, here are the projects I'm working on here that pay money. Here are the projects yeah. I'm working on that don't pay money. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, here are the projects that we're doing something with uh, media outside yeah. of comics. And then here are the projects that I'm developing or pitching. There are 11 currently on the developing and pitching board. Now, that doesn't mean some of those may never happen. Some of them may happen years down the line, but those are the ones that I'm kind of that that are more than just a few lines written in uh you know in a notebook if 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 you blow it out to how many concepts i'm thinking of all the time and having them there's hundreds but mm -hmm. the, these 11 are the the ones that are that kind of have some some meat on the bones that's awesome but, it's just it, you can't stop like you, the second you stop coming up with ideas the oh, yeah. second well, you that, stop making that's comics what, that's not a good yeah, thing right that'll scare that would scare me and and of those eleven, you know, when I look at them, a couple of them I'm actually pitching. Some of them I'm not pitching. Some of them aren't ready to be pitched yet, but they're just being developed. But I mean, you are not, uh, you know, lazy. I tell you that much. You're out there getting stuff done, and your name is on I, every week. I feel like it's a new Colin Bun, not new, but new issue coming out on the racks of the local comic book shop, which is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. You know, I, it's funny. You just rattled off some dates. You're like, oh, this book comes out there. Yeah. And honestly, I've never concerned myself with yeah. it until the last few weeks. Uh, and I just opened a document. I have a document that has all the release dates because what I'm trying to do is avoid more than one on yeah. a week if I can. I can't always, but I'm trying to now. And, and it only helps me and the publishers for me to be more sort of aware of those things. It's it's one more piece of busy work I have to do. But uh, but it's nice to see where the you know where the yes. things fall on the on the, the calendar. Well, I mean, like, so Book of Shadows at Valiant, Valiant, you did Book of Shadows? Yes, yes. And that's four, that four issues, uh, it wrapped up in uh, February, but you have a trade coming out in the summer. And then you got Door to Door Night by Night, which number five hits this month uh, yes. in April, a trade coming out this summer, the first trade of that one. Yeah. Uh, Foul of This of the Walls came out in February, which is a great, I love that. It's a magazine, oversized magazine style format, which is great, that one shock um, from them. Uh, a Legacy of Violence, number five comes out in May. And the trade comes out in April. So you yeah, do have a, you know, and then you get Nightwalkers with number four hitting. I wrote number four or five hits May night or sorry, April 19th. Red Zone number two comes out in a couple of weeks. Uh, Basilisk trade paperback just hit in March, the number volume three. 
And then yeah. new series you got going on. I'm going to forget some stuff here, but Ghost Lore over at Boom, number one, hits in May, May 10th. Lamentation, May 3rd. Chilling Adventures presents Cult of That Wiccan Boy, one shot, hits in May 9th, or April 19th. Shock Shop, trade hits, 412. And Man, you all... keep it. You're, you're better at this than I am. I, I didn't even know when Shock Shop released in trade. Now I got to write the, that down. The, the biggest one of them all is All My Little Demons or Omnibus over Aftershock, May 17th, right? That, how big is that thing? Oh, it's a, it's a massive book. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, it's like a cinder block. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Those things come and they like I bet the L by LCS and he's opening up the omnibus things and it's like I'm like, geez, you have to hold that thing when you're reading. So, so you're getting these off of previews then? Uh, a little bit of previews, a little bit of um I, uh, when the trades are being released. I think Amazon usually has a pre-order date on them. I got you. Yeah. No, that's great. I'm, I'm asking, some of that's me asking for education purposes because yeah. I'm like, now I need to put, like, I have to add Shock Shop to my list because I yeah, forgot. Yeah, I think I find that out. out. That yeah, did so. say May 16th is Shock uh, Okay, Shock Shop says May 16th on, yeah. on pre-order. On, but it's also possible, like, they do it sometimes for trades and things like that where, like, yeah. don't they release it sometimes at LCS is before yeah, yeah bookstores and local comic shops are different so yeah. it's it's a it's a I don't know how anybody keeps it straight to be honest it's a it's a nightmare uh it's possible that the shock shop one I got off of previews world uh, as well so that so, and they change all these things change it's like okay next week we're at least one more week it's the comic book industry is like that it's like you think it's coming out and then it's like nope next week sorry <laughs> so the the only other one that I that I know we haven't talked about and you may not even I don't know it depends on if you saw the news that just got announced a couple of days ago is uh in August I am returning to Marvel and writing the five-issue Death of the Venomverse series. Uh, it's going to be a weekly series in in August uh, about, uh, you know, look, the multiverse of Venoms and Carnage has decided he's going to kill every one of them. And, uh, and that that's that's my first Marvel project in, in quite a while. Are you just liking to kill Marvel characters? Is that how it is? <laughs> is that, that is not, look... Uh, <laughs> I'll admit they came to me and said, Hey, would you like to do another Venomverse series? Because I wrote Venomverse and I yes. wrote Venomize. Uh, and I said, yeah. And I knew what their plan, you know, some of their bigger plans with Carnage. I said, yeah, let's do that. But I only want to do it if I can call it death of the Venomverse and I can live up to the title. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, so I guess, yeah, I guess I have a murderous streak in me. Um, and I'm uh, just and, laughing at that. Like, yeah, it, I'm it's, it's a thing. But I do have, I mean, you have, you know, you got your battle scars back there that you did, wrote part of, and then you got Asgardians of the Galaxy. You didn't kill anybody in Marvel, did you, in that one, did you? In Asgardians of the Galaxy, I I did I kill so. some people in Asgardians of the Galaxy. Okay. <laughs> See? But they had been brought back from the dead. It was a whole thing. They had No to... one stays dead in the yeah. universe. Well, in mine, they don't stay alive. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Shock Shop trade paperback, according to Dark Horse's website, is is, is April twenty April twelfth, twenty twenty three. So that is coming out here pretty awesome. soon, which is exciting because that's a great book too. Over well, at Dark Horse, um, but yeah, so like you're a busy man. First of all, how do you do it? Where do you find time? Do you not sleep? Uh, I don't sleep a whole lot, but uh, honestly, if I can write five pages a day, is all it takes, and that's not five pages a day. 
the, the real work for me comes in on the outlining phase, phase okay. planning what's going to happen on the page and then the issue itself. Once I've got an outline, writing five pages, five pages a day is nothing. Um, but I have to do that every day, mm -hmm. seven days a week. And if I don't write five pages today, I've got to write 10 tomorrow. And, uh, and if I don't write 10 tomorrow, I've got to write, you know, 15 the next day. So I have to stay on top of that or it gets, it gets real messy. But, uh, for the most part, if I can do just five a day, I can stay on top of everything. Um, I like to do more than that if I can, but, mm -hmm. but I know what I have to do to, to stay on top of everything. I mean, in a sense of how a day works, I mean, if you were able to write, write okay, I'm on a roll, let's write seven or eight pages. Would you just do five pages again tomorrow? Get yourself ahead, or would you do? Oh, three I would. Do, I would just keep writing tomorrow. I wouldn't give myself okay. a three day just because mm -hmm. I did well. Um, I mean, I might if I if the you know I'm working on some prose stuff, some novels and stuff like okay. that. I might maybe I'd spend that day working on that instead. But uh, but I'm always going to be writing something and trying to move something forward. And and it's just I don't feel good if I'm not doing that. If I'm not actually doing the work, I. I get very antsy and very uncomfortable. I, I've, I've talked, my wife and I talked, I was like, the pandemic has, has made my anxiety level just like through the roof to the point. And then I had a two year, I have a two year old I had a kid two years ago and that didn't help and all that stuff. And she's like, you feel the most calm when your head's in your laptop. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's cause I'm in another world. I'm like <laughs> writing something about something fake thing that happened. And I'm just like, that's what it's going on right now. I'm like me reviewing or talking about someone's fake comic book is calming me down. Cause I'm not dealing with other shit that's going on in the world. Yeah. And look, you gotta, you know, people need to get through however they, they need to get through. You know, I used to believe that, uh, you know, writers, people would say, Oh, I have writer's block. And I was like, okay, come on. Come on, you don't have writer's block. You just don't feel like working. Yeah. Um, and how dare I is what I say now. How <laughs> dare I say that to anybody? If you have writer's block, you have writer's block. You get through it how you get through, get through it. it. I'll offer some suggestions, but I'm not going to tell you it doesn't exist anymore um, because I know I felt it during the pandemic. And mm -hmm. I felt, you know, I felt my motivations change. Um, everybody needs to work the way they want to work. And maybe... Just maybe, I don't know. This is a suggestion I have. Maybe we should all stop being so damn judgmental about how other people work or don't work, uh, myself included. So that's what I think. I mean, I would tell you right now, uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked to multiple people saying I have the benefit of being able to curate this podcast to invite people on that I am excited to talk to and I like their work. I'm not told by some upper person be like, well, you got to have Colin Bunn on because you got a new book coming out. Nobody says like, well, that anyway. Well, but, so, but like, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, if I, if in my mind, I'm like, well, comic books suck. I don't want to like talk to them or anything like that. Like that would not be fun for me. You know what I mean? So like right. the, the easiness of that aspect of is like, I, I, I wanted you and invited you on the podcast because I enjoy your work. And if you were writing this many books and you're still doing it good, well, then you should continue doing it. If I would tell, if I like, we sign off here and I'm like, well, actually Colin, this book sucks. So you should really stop. <laughs> well, listen, they're not all going to be winners. No. I'm not, I, I, you know, <laughs> somebody at a at one of the shows I was at recently was like, man, I like this book and I like this book and I like this book, but I just really didn't like this one. I was like, that's okay. They're not all, they're not necessarily all supposed to be for you. Um, some people do like that book, you know, uh, some people don't. Uh, and sometimes there's a clunker in the mix. I know that I try not to, that's, you know, my, 
I've been very focused on trying to not have any clunkers in the mix, but sometimes you you drop the ball. <laughs> sometimes the thing I think is really going to work out doesn't work the way I wanted. <laughs> Why, Colin? You're not perfect. Come on, like not, seriously. <laughs> I'm not trying. But I mean, it, it's 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 a fun. I like seeing it when you when I've gone from there's people out there who are like I'm an X Men fan and they want to read everything that's X Men related and they just like they're in that or they're Superman or sure. whatever. And then there's people out there who like horror comic books and like obviously you fall into that category with a lot of your books that are horror comic books. But then I've gone to the point where now I've been lucky enough to be like, I'm a Cullen Bunn fan or I'm a so-and-so fan or I'm a so-and-so fan. And that's the benefit of having a number of books out on the shelf at a time is if each each week or each every other week or every couple of weeks, a new Cullen Bunn book comes out. I know I'm going to be excited for that. Even when we know, you know, that whatever yeah. if someone comes up the book once a month i have to wait every month for something so it's kind of cool in that sense it's it's it, i would think it's similar to if you like shows that come out on fox that every night there might be a new show for you but they're all different shows and so i enjoy that sense of it too of having you having so many things for me to choose from and i'm excited because yeah. some of them i'm gonna go read back and reread and reread and reread like Nightwalk yeah i like to think of it you know we think about you know novel series that that we love and sometimes the frustration comes that the novel never you know book whatever never comes out or takes forever and you're waiting if you're a fan of my work you shouldn't have to wait too long for something you know and that's uh you know the, when the day comes and i'm not working on as many books as i'm working on i'm going to be very uncomfortable very nervous and very uncomfortable but hopefully it's because you're shifting in here because you're adapting something for TV or for movies. Uh, or something maybe, like that, but so. I, you know, I, I like the, the, the thing yeah. I love about comics is it's such a compared to like a novel or a TV mm -hmm. show or a movie. Comics give me sort of an immediate gratification. I mm -hmm. write a script, I send it to the artist and uh, and the artist starts giving me pages. So I'm seeing emails every day. I get pages of art based on my story. And that's that's kind of hard to beat from, a mm -hmm. you know. Uh, an excitement level for me is seeing these pages coming, you know, coming to life. And you have amazing artists that you've been attached to too. So that yeah. doesn't, doesn't hurt it at all. <laughs> but I mentioned you had at least 760 different books available right now. So if you, anybody's a Colin Bunn fan, go out there and buy it. And you have some of them available on your website, right? I believe there's yeah, some uh, things available on your website. Yeah, there's there's some things available on the website. Uh, we just kind of redid the store, and I've got someone managing that for me now because I just can't stay on top of it the way I wanted to. Um, and there's going to be, I mean, we have have books on there. We have variant covers. We have covers you can only get from me. Uh, really, my website's sort of the doorway to everything. So mm -hmm. it's it's just cullenbun.com. I do, you know, I it, it has access to my weekly newsletter where you're going to see everything I'm working on and all the things that are distracting me from my work. Um, it's uh, it, it, you can get to my all my social media, everything I, like that, all from CullenBun.com. Which is easy and great and, and and wonderful because sometimes it's hard to find information about people, especially when you have so much going on. It's yeah. nice to have it at least curated somewhere and stuff like that on there, uh, which is nice. Uh, for that sense too but um you obviously like you mentioned you have a patreon too uh, i do have a patreon yeah. uh where you know i put you know chapters of novels and scripts and sometimes i post comics that are coming out uh you'll get you know patrons will see the comic before it ever ever hits the stand um yeah and that's again that's all patreon slash cullen bun so 
Patreon is a great way to connect with anybody out there who doesn't know a great way to connect with your favorite creators too. I'm a, I'm a Patreon subscriber to multiple different people. And it's just one of those things you get you, to having the ability to see things ahead of time or potentially uh, depending on what level you're on, on different people's like, Oh, this special covers only for you or special oh, yeah. issues only for you or PDFs or whatever. Uh, it's really a cool way in this world that we're able to with via the internet, be able for you to connect with your fans uh, yeah, closer than ever. Probably. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun and you get to really, get feedback on stuff and and you get to like you said you get to see things i mean i post i post concept art for comics that are two years down the line and i can't tell you the title but look at what look yeah. at this art this artist has done and things like that um it's uh it's it's exciting for me just to get that feedback and and have people talk about it and 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 enjoy it that's awesome and you you went to a con recently i saw you were at were you at the source point table yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was at Fan Expo Cleveland, and okay. I set up the Source Point table. Yeah. And then, so are you going to any other uh, uh, conventions anytime soon, or this year in twenty twenty three, or are you are you mostly writing? <laughs> no, well, I, I I'm not <laughs> going to I'm not going to a lot. I'm doing yeah. some smaller shows, uh, sort of local shows, uh, for various reasons. Just uh, doing that. Uh, the next biggest show I'm going to is Heroes Con in okay. Charlotte which mm-hmm. is a great show if you're a comic fan. It's a very comic-focused mm-hmm. uh, convention. If you haven't gone, you should try to make a trip. It's a it's worth it. So that's the next big one I'm doing. I think that's in July. That's awesome. I, 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 it just, it's one of those things. It takes so much. It's so nice for us to, for, for, for readers to meet the creators, but it's also one of those things that it just takes a lot of time out of your day and energy out of your weekend oh. and time to just go out and just sit there at a the table all weekend. They are they are exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is they are uh, they can be uh, they can be a little brutal uh, yeah. in terms of there's a physical toll that people don't yeah. expect. I mean, I think well, I guess people do. Everybody knows you go yeah. to a convention for four days, whether you're a fan, whether you're setting up, you're going to be tired when it's all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And so, and so uh, we love seeing all the creators at the conventions, but you have to understand that they can't go to every single one of them because they never actually get any actual work done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. These days, I honestly, I kind of set a rule for myself. I can't go to any convention that isn't going to bring me out. Uh, either mm-hmm. the convention or a publisher at the convention has to, you know, bring me yeah. out and put me up as a guest. Um, otherwise, I just can't do it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's. It's a it's a lot of work, and uh, it, it does take time away from how I make my living. Really, conventions exactly. are great, and I love meeting folks, but uh, but yeah, it takes time away from actual writing, and and that can be that can be uh, harmful to the to the checkbook. <laughs> yes, well, I just think I just think I try to like relate it to people. They don't I don't think some people realize it is they you work your nine to five Monday through Friday job, and then on the weekend this weekend take and do what you're doing for nine to five Monday through Friday and then promote that at a convention and sign autographs and talk to people and take photos of people all weekend and then go back to work on Monday and do it all over again. And most people would say to screw off, <laughs> but for first, for some reason we, we expect every creator to be at every convention and it's like, they just can't do all of them. Not saying you're not going to do all of them, but I'm saying like so, you have to pick and choose. I'm, I am in awe of the people who can do one every weekend because yeah. wow, that, that is that's some that takes some gumption and some stupidness yeah. and some people have to and i understand that but like yeah i know i i almost feel more for the vendors like 
there's people that I've talked to at different conventions where like you look at a vendor and they set up like, you know, they sell like, I don't know, movie posters or whatever at all the different conventions. And they literally pack up and they get in the car and they drive to convention too. And then, and yeah. they're, they're just convention go hoppers. And I'm like, can you imagine setting that entire setup over and over and over again, every single weekend? Yeah. I was leaving uh planet comic-con, which is the yeah. Kansas city show I do. And I was leaving that show and I saw one of the vendors I mean, and, and he was, he had a drill and he was taking his stand apart and it's like, oh gosh, that's, that seems like the worst. <laughs> that is so hard to do. I want you to, Colin, I just want you to show up at your next convention literally and say, all I need is a table, no tablecloth, no backdrop, no nothing. And you just put like four or five stacks of comic books on there that you brought in your flight and be like, here I, we go. I'm ready to, I'm ready to sell. <laughs> I, I can't do that. I do like to bring a lot of stuff to conventions, but, but yeah, uh, sometimes it would be nice just to just to sit at a, a table without a cloth and just what do you, you know want? like have you seen the episode of the office where they bring that single sheet of white paper oh yeah the, so yeah, they just do that there you because go that's just all one... potential all potentials right here on this one sheet of paper this you is know the I, think table. I think you're on to something i might do, i might that might be how i'm gonna do conventions the guy i mentioned earlier who's managing all my store and my stock's gonna hate that concept but that's what i'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. Just do just... And then one person's gonna come up there and sign up for your guest or your uh, email list. You're like, no, <laughs> you ruined <laughs> <Yeah>. my potential. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I really appreciate Colin you coming on, talking about all your books, things that are going on in, in the comic book world with for you. Um, we're big supporters of you, so keep it up, keep it Thank going. You. I want more. I want more Nightwalkers, and and like I said, I'm excited to finish Legacy of Violence, and looking forward to Ghost Lore and Lamentation coming out soon. So check your local comic book shop, people. Get those orders in because it's nice to have a pre-order in so the comic book shops aren't stuck with either none of them or too many of them or whatever it may be. So get yeah, those into your LCS. Sure. And then well, visit columnbun.com for everything. So yeah. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. Um, I appreciate all the support. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day and keep hard working. Don't take any time off. <laughs> I won't. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs>